Well, praise God. Well, my wife is in Uganda uh, right now, so you can pray for her. My own children are grown. They uh, are in America, but we have adopted six Ugandan children, five boys and a girl. So we have a new family there. My wife's there running our school, uh, the Children's Project. Last year, I was here a year ago sharing with you guys that we were building a medical center, and by God's grace, uh, we finished it, and it's open. It's one of the things that God showed me. When we first went to Uganda, I saw all these old people walking, and they were walking far, and some of them were very old. I'm just going to keep talking until you kick it on. Um, And I was like, where are they going? And they were walking five miles to go get medical care. And I mean, I don't think anybody here has ever had malaria. I thankfully have not. My wife got malaria. But it's like a very, very bad flu. And... uh, can you imagine having like the worst flu you've ever had and then having to walk five miles to get medical care? And you know, we're, I, I really, God has really given us a vision for Uganda and they're all scrambling like it's not going to play. Um, um, God gave us a desire to, to, to see these kids know Jesus. And we moved to the village, this little western, little village in southwest Uganda, having no idea what God was going to do. We lived in tents, and you know, we began ministering to the families, and God led us to, the, to 300 poor children that, were, by God's grace, are in our primary school today, and we're seeing them growing. But, you know, there's, you go five miles, and in five miles, there's another 500 to 1,000 kids that have nothing, that have the same problem. It's hard to believe how blessed we are here and how poor people are in other countries. And getting closer. And uh, I just can't believe I get to serve Jesus. You know that we get to be used by God? It's not, it shouldn't be, never be a burden to serve the living God. We get to serve him. He wants to use us. That blows me away that I get to be involved in what he allows me to do. Amen. And what God allowed me to do is everything good in me is because of Jesus. Amen. If there's anything good I've done, it's because he did it. Yeah. Amen? Yes. All right, we good to go? All right, let's watch this quick video, three minutes. Hello, everyone. I'm Pastor Dave Chafee, co-founder of Agents for Christ. Can you believe it's been 10 years since the Lord started the Agents for Christ ministry? It all began when the Lord gave Bill James a vision to start a mission to the cities of the U.S. He then shared that vision with my family. And after much prayer, the James and Chafee families were led to sell everything we owned, buy two RVs, and travel the U.S., sharing the gospel and teaching others to do the same through our School of Evangelism classes. We did this for three years and watched the Lord provide for every need we had. While we were on the road, the Lord gave us new ministries. We started GotTracks.com, a gospel track ministry. Evangelism Minute, a radio ministry encouraging believers to be bold and share their faith. Both these ministries are still running strong and spreading the good news around the world. Then after three years on the road, the Lord led me and my family back to Portland, Oregon to our home church, Calvary Chapel Southeast, where I've been an associate pastor for the last seven years, overseeing worship, 
outreach, and then youth ministry, all the while watching God do some awesome things. At the same time we were called back to Portland, Oregon, the James family was called to Uganda. And over the last seven years, God has done some amazing things over there as well. What started out with a couple Walmart tents on a hillside in the city of Ashunga ended up to be a mission center, the planting of Calvary Chapel Ashunga, a grade school, a child sponsorship program, and a medical center all under the banner of Uganda Kids Project. It has been an amazing 10 years and we believe the Lord still has greater plans to do even more to reach souls for the kingdom of God. That's why my wife Deanna and I are coming back as full-time missionaries with Agents for Christ. Our vision is to start a live-in program for young adults, a 10-month program focused on theology, apologetics, evangelism, and missions. We're in the process of purchasing a campus in Las Cruces, New Mexico, at the bottom of the beautiful Oregon Mountains. A great place for young adults to come away from the noise of life and seek Jesus in a deeper way and discover His direction for their life. The vision for the program includes three months of study, three months traveling in the U.S., putting on outreaches with supporting churches, three months serving in Africa with Uganda Kids Project, and then one month back in New Mexico seeking the Lord's guidance for their future. We believe this is desperately needed for young believers in the post-Christian culture that we live in today. This will also bring Agents for Christ and Uganda Kids Project together in a unique way. There's much to do in the coming months with a move from Portland, the development of the curriculum, as well as bringing awareness to the body of Christ. And that's why we're asking you to partner with us. And there are several ways you can do just that. One, pray for us that the Lord would give wisdom and provision as we develop the new school. Two, you can sponsor a child. There's still many kids who need support at UKP. Three, make a general donation to the work of Agents for Christ to help with the many costs associated with this new work. Thank you, church, for all your support and prayers. And we look forward to all that the Lord will do in the future. God bless you, and we'll see you soon. Amen. You know, we serve an awesome God. And the Bible says, with God, all things are possible. Amen. And you know what God has done in and through us, our ministry, God wants to do through all of his children. You know, my life began the day that I gave my life, you know, to Christ, began to surrender daily to him. And it's only because I surrendered to him and could daily walk with him is that really the only thing God, that I did was just say, Lord, here I am, use me. And you know, he did. He wants to do the same in your life. Quick testimony about how my ministry began. I was an undercover police detective working narcotics. I worked, I worked for the law enforcement for 17 years. Sadly, I was living a life of sin. I was raised in a Christian home as a young boy. I knew about Jesus, but I ran from God. And after running far from God for 25 years, my mom and dad never stopped praying for me. For 25 years, my mom and dad prayed for me every day. So I want to encourage you, if you have a family member, a son or a daughter, cousin, neighbor, somebody that's running from God, do not stop praying because God answers prayers. And it's perfect time he answers prayers. Amen? Yes, yes. You know, my mom's prayers were answered through my wife. I was a, a sheriff's deputy, and she was a dispatcher. We started dating, and she started taking me to Calvary Chapel, and God started to work in my heart. But, you know, I continued to fight with God, and I wanted to surrender my life to Jesus. I knew it was what I needed to do, and it was what was best to do, but it was not easy. And I continued to, to play games with God. And one day on a follow-up investigation, I was working on a DEA task force. My partner was a female FBI agent. 
a follow-up investigation at this apartment complex. I came face-to-face with a Mexican national drug dealer. I pulled out my badge, and he pulled out a gun. I had a gun. It was wrapped up in my sweatshirt. I couldn't get it out. My partner had her gun in her purse. The guy gets his gun out quickly and aggressively moves towards me, pointing the gun right in my face about from about two feet. I'm looking down the barrel of the gun. I see him try to kill me, shoot me right in the face, and the gun doesn't fire. And I fell down and ran for cover the other direction in this, down the hall or down the walkway between the apartments. He ran and jumped in his car. I got my gun and my police radio out, and as he drove away, I put out his license plate to the other patrol units. Everyone began looking for this car. They found it five miles away, dumped in a parking lot. They set up a surveillance. About midnight, some guys came to get the car. They swooped in, arrested them. They searched the vehicle. In the vehicle was two pounds of methamphetamine, $13,000 and this loaded revolver. It was a long-barreled revolver. They brought it to me. Is this the gun the guy tried to kill you with? I'm like, yes. They took it to the crime lab, and it fired six shots in a row. Wow. I tell you, with God, all things are possible. God yes. spared me that day. Yes. I should not be here. If you know anything about guns, a revolver could be in the mud puddle buried out in the woods for a month. You pick it up, it would fire. But see, God can do anything. Yes. God can do anything. And that day he spared me, and he spoke to me. My life was in his hands, that he loved me, that he died for me, but he wouldn't make me follow him. I had to choose to follow Jesus. The greatest day of my life, April 20th, 2004, I made a choice. I walked into my pastor's office, and I gave my life to Jesus. And I walked out, and I discovered something that this book is true. It says who the Son sets free is free indeed. And that day I was set free. And I was an agent for the United States government. I traded in my gun and my badge, and I picked up my Bible. became an agent for Christ. And our ministry was very simple. I knew what it was like to be trapped in sin, and I discovered what it was to be free in Christ. And everywhere I went, I saw people trapped in sin like I was, and I wanted them to know the freedom that's found only in Jesus Christ. And we had this crazy idea. Everybody said we were crazy. Travel the country in RVs, sharing the gospel, and going from church to church, encouraging people to do the same. Ten years ago, we started that, and by God's grace, we're still blessed to do it today. That's where it led us here. But you know, as we were doing that for three years, all of a sudden, things started changing. God said, "You go." It became very clear that God said, "Go to Uganda," and it didn't make any sense. You know, God's ways are higher than our ways. We don't have to understand what God's doing. We just need to seek him with all of our hearts, desire to hear him, and he does speak to us and obey. Amen? And I didn't understand what God was doing, but I said, okay, Lord, and we went to Uganda. I worked there for a year at an orphanage. It was a training ground, preparation for what God was calling us to do. He showed us these families and children everywhere without medical care, without schooling, with no, no hope. God gave us the desire to start the Uganda Kids Project. And I can remember when we went to Ishunga for the first time, we, were, we had another great plan. Again, people said we were crazy. We're going to buy two Walmart tents and, a, and faith on a grass hill. And I can remember landing there in Ishunga after we'd been traveling here, trying to you know, share the vision that we were going to plant a church in the small little village of southwest Uganda where no white person had ever lived. I didn't really believe it. But I discovered that we were the first white people to ever really visit there since the 1960s. And I, you know, we'd see kids, and they'd one of two things would happen. They'd see us, our white skin, and they'd run afraid, like they saw a ghost. Or two, they would want to touch our skin. 
As we moved in there, it was funny because we, we, you know, we lived there in the tents, and I can remember all the people coming on the road below, watching us with their families, and on the hill next to us, and they would just watch us all day long and just laugh. It was like a herd of elephants had moved in, and they, didn't, they wanted to see how we lived. You know, when we first got there, though, I was scared to death. As we put, walked into that property, the grass was grown, and I remember thinking, wow, I thought this was flatter. And I'm thinking, wow, there's not even a flat spot to build our, put our tents. And I, you know, I was afraid. I thought I'd taken my family out there to die. But you know what? God reminded me quickly of what he had done to get us to that hill. And he reminded me of a verse that God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And that first night we went, we, the plan was to sp- stay at a, a little room that's about an hour away at a place where you can rent a little room and I had no idea at that room there was a bar next door, and all night long the music was playing, and I spent the night praying for a miracle. We needed a miracle. And the next day we go back, and we're trying to dig on the side of the hill to make a place for our tents to be, to be put up. And a man walks up to me and says, you know, I know, I know that the, the government is working on the road. I know the guy working the machines, and he wants to come up here and help. You know, God doesn't, there's no coincidences in God's business. It wasn't an accident that when we show up there that day, it was the same day that they're working on the road, amen? God works all things together for good, and his ways are perfect. Yes, they are. Amen. And that guy came up there with that machine, and in five hours, we had our miracle. The road was done, the lot was level, and we began, began digging the foundation the next day, amen. Amen. amen? And you know, it's been amazing to serve God there. I mean, it's actually my home. I don't have a home in America. I live in Uganda, but we've been blessed to build the mission center to plant a church. Right now, we have a school of ministry there with 10 guys studying to be pastors. We have a primary school, 300 kids. The medical center is open and running, and God is doing great things. But over the last year, we've saw God moving again. We we had a desire to to, to plant a school of ministry here for young adults, even my own daughter, who has spent many years in the mission field with us, went to prim- uh, private university or public university, Cal State Long Beach, and became a target for the liberal atheistic professors, and her faith got attacked. And it's happening our kids. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy our children. The devil does not want your children to serve God. God gave us this vision to start the 10th hour project to train up the next generation. And we began uh, praying and seeking God. He led us to New Mexico. And actually, right now, that video is a couple months old. Right now, they're actually moving in. We, we now own the property. We're moving in. And in April, we'll be, Lord willing, we'll be our first class. Wow. But our desire is to train up the next generation to serve Jesus Christ. Ten-month program. They come away, spend ten months serving Jesus and, and drawing near to him and bi- building their faith on the rock. They spent three months in biblical discipleship there in New Mexico, the state of New Mexico, not the country of Mexico, the state of New Mexico. Then three months in America traveling, doing evangelism outreaches with Agents for Christ, and spending three months in, in Uganda with Uganda Kids Project, and then coming back to America to serve them with a pray for a month and seeking God as to where God has for them next. And we really are excited for what God's going to do this, this new school, and uh, I said they're moving in right now. Two days ago, they arrived, Dave and Deanna, another pastor from our home church, starting this 10th hour project with the 
knowing that God's going to do great things. But we have a table out in the back. I'd love to talk to you more. Maybe some of you young adults, young high school kids, maybe something God would send you to, I don't know. Um, we'd love to, there's children to sponsor. If you'd like to sponsor a child, the money that you give goes to the child, their medical care, their schooling, and the discipleship of them and their families, their community. Um, we ask that you to pray. There's a little bookmarks back there you can take to pray for us. God moves to partner in any other way. We, we love your support. But now I want to encourage you in the word, amen? This book is the living, active, powerful word of God. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. This morning, my desire is to encourage you that God loves you. He didn't say he loved you. He proved his love by sending his only begotten son. That he desires to have a relationship with each of you. A personal relationship with the living God. That's why we were created to worship God and to walk and know him. Walk with him and know him. And God wants to do great things. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3. He said, God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask, think, or even imagine through his spirit that lives in each of his children. And God wants to do great things in your life. But I also want to challenge you this morning. That faith is a choice. Following God is a choice. Every one of us, each and every day, has a choice to serve God or to serve your flesh. And it is a choice. This morning here in 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning of verse 1, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. It's living and active and powerful. Lord, we desire to hear from you today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill this place. Open our minds, our ears, our hearts to hear your voice, that we would hear your call, we would hear your leading, that we would give us all that we need to follow you today. And Lord, it's a daily walk with you. Thank you, God, that you call us to daily walk with you. Help us. Lord, we're sinners. We're weak. But in you, we can be strong. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to open it and to to seek your face, be glorified here through all that is said and done. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Here in this chapter, these first three verses, I see three things. The call is one. Secondly, the choice. And thirdly, the challenge. And in verse one, we see the call. It says, arm yourselves also with the same mind. You know, Paul told the Philippians, he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and came in the form of a servant, and found in likeness of a man, humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. 
That was the heart and mind of Jesus. He came to serve, to save. And Peter's challenging us here this morning to arm ourselves also with the same mind. But if you understand who God is and what God has done and what God is going to do, it seems to be an easy, an easy thing call to follow. And those four words, it says, since Christ suffered for us, or Christ suffered for us. Do you understand what great cost it cost the Father to send his Son to come and die? That He hung on the cross in our place. We broke God's law. We deserve to die. We deserve to hang on that cross. We deserve to suffer. But he took our place. If you understand what God did for you, it seems to be easy, an easy call. The second thing we see is the choice, verse 2, living our the rest of our time for the flesh or the choice for the lusts of men or the, or the lust or the will of God, the choice, using your time serving the lusts of men or using your time to do the will of God. Ultimately, that's the choice we all face every single day. Who are we going to serve? Following your own will, sin in the world, or are you going to follow God's will? It's a choice we all face. And here Peter in verse 3 gives us a challenge. He says, we've spent enough time. We've wasted enough time. And really that word time really stands out to me. You know, we all have, each and every one of us have the same amount of time every single day. We each have 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. The question is, what are you using your time to do? What are you using for your time for? For your own desires and building your own kingdom? Or are you using your time for serving God and building God's kingdom? You know, we all fail. You know, the devil wants the, us to fail. He wants us to give up and quit, to stop serving God and to just live a life of sin. It says the righteous will rise many times, amen, and when we fall, we get back up and walk, go again, right? Paul said, one thing I do, forget what lies behind, pressing on to what lies ahead, amen? It's a daily choice to get back up and press on, and it's not easy. The challenges are many. I mean, you drive, just drive down the road, the flesh is being challenged to, you know, buy, 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 do, 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 you know, sin, sin, sin. God is also calling you, a still small voice, to come and follow me. So I look back at my own life. I spent 38 years of my life, wasted 38 years serving sin and my, the flesh and the devil. My, a friend of mine wrote this book. He says, Living and Dying Without Regret. He's a hospice pastor. And he wrote this book because he discovered this reoccurring theme as he was visiting these people on their deathbed in hospice preparing to die. He kept seeing them with the same theme. They were, all had, they were dying and they all had regrets. They all had all these regrets of the time wasted. And in this book, he challenges us to stop wasting time, to stop using your time for things that, are not, that don't matter or are not going to last, but use the time you have to serve the living God. Because, you know, nothing you have is going to go with you. It doesn't matter how much money you have, no matter how many cars, no matter how nice of a house, nothing in this world is going to last. It's all going to burn. 
There's only one thing that you can take with you, and that's other souls. And that's what's important. That's what we should be using our time doing. And what time you have left, you don't want to be laying. I don't want to be laying on my deathbed regretting all the bad choices and sin. I want to be able to you know, lay, think of all the great things that God has done. And it's really about a choice. Who are you going to serve? If you look at the Bible, over and over it talks about choices. Choices are throughout the entire Bible. That The theme of many th- things in the Bible are about choices. I mean, the main theme, they call it the red line, is God's the salvation, God's grace. The red line, the story of the Messiah, the Savior. You see another theme, the choices. Think about Abraham. God called Abraham to leave the city of Ur, which was a a well-established, comfortable city in those days. To leave that, he gave him the choice to leave there and to go where he did not even know where he was going. He chose to obey God. Moses, when God called Moses, Moses made every excuse possible to not obey God, but ultimately he obeyed God, made the choice to serve God, and led the children of Israel for 40 years. And at the end of his life, in Deuteronomy 30, 19, God speaking through his servant Moses to probably a million Israelites, a million children of God, he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, what? Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. See, what Moses, what God spoke through Moses is that our choices don't just affect us. They affect your, everyone around you, especially your family. Choose life and lead your kids to choose life. Joshua, at the end of his life, choose this day who you will serve. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What about Jesus? What Jesus? The choices that Jesus told us about. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, he said there's two roads. He didn't say there's five roads or not even only, not three, only two. One is the wide road, which is easy, which leads where? Destruction. The narrow road, which is difficult, which leads to life. The sad thing about those choices, it says that many are on the wide road and few are following the road of life. Pray that we are men and women that choose that narrow path to life and encourage others to follow that same path. The end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talked about where you're building your life. He said there's, again, two places you can build, the sand or the rock. He said if you build on the sand, the wind, the rain, the storms are going to come, and it's going to be a great fall. But if you build on the rock, the wind, the storms, and the rain is going to come, but it's going to stand. Where are you building today? You know, the truth is, you think about what that, that example Jesus gave us. The storms are going to come either way. The storms come for whether you're building on the sand or whether you're building on the rock. The storms are going to come in your life. You're going to face them alone and, and, be, and have a great fall. You're going to face them with Jesus and stand. Amen? Amen. He says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. And he'll be with you as you go through whatever he takes you through. He's with you. He doesn't promise your life's going to be perfect or easy. He promises to be with you with whatever he takes you through. And you know what? Some of the times in my life I look back that were the hardest, as I look back, are the best. It's when Jesus was closest to us, when he takes us through the hard times. We lived in tents in western Uganda where there was nothing. We carried water. 
You know, we had a toilet and a hole in the ground. We had nothing. But I look back at those three months in those tents, it was the best time of my life. Jesus also said in Matthew 16, 24, he says, if anyone wants to be my disciples, there's the choice. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if anyone wants to follow me, he says, pick, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. That's the call to all of us today. Disciple is a Christian. There's no difference. Follower of Jesus. If you go to the very beginning, let's turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, and we see at the very beginning God gave us a choice. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. This is before the fall. Before the fall, here it says in verse 15 of chapter 2 of Genesis, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. We see in verse 15 it says, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden and gave him a job to tend and keep it. This is before the fall. God placed man in a specific place and gave him a job. Today, God has placed you here. It's not a mistake where you're at. God placed you in your friends, your family, your neighborhood, your school, because God has a job for you to do here, and that's here to be a witness. Amen? Amen? You're here to serve the living God, and he doesn't make mistakes. It's not by accident that you're where you are or where you live or where you go to school or what you work, do for work. God has placed you there because he has a call in your life to be his witness, to be a light. And God gives you the power to do it through his spirit that lives inside of you. Acts 1.8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, God's called us to be a witness. That's all he called, wants you to do, to be a witness through your words and how you live, that people would see Christ and be, be, be drawn to follow Christ. But see, he's given you the power of his spirit to do what he's called you to do, amen? That's an amazing truth that what God's called you to do, he's given you the ability to do it through his spirit. And God says that we have a choice, walk in the spirit or quench the spirit. Each and every day, moment by moment, 1 Thessalonians 5 says you can quench the spirit, Galatians 5 says you can walk in the Spirit. Here we see in verse 16, Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree you may surely eat except for one. I want you to stand out that God commanded. God spoke. He still speaks. God speaks to us, but are we listening? I encourage you to every single day seek God with all of your heart. You're going to hear me say this again and again because it's true. You need to daily seek God with all of your heart. Desire to hear his voice and he does speak. And then obey what he tells you to do. Something I've done for a long time is before I ever get out of bed is to surrender that day to Jesus Christ. Go, Lord, today I want to serve you. And today lead me to divine appointments. And when you make yourself available to serve God, he will use you. And there's nothing better that you can ever do with your life. It don't matter if you win the lottery. There's nothing in this world that says any, no, no comparison to what we can do in the spiritual world through the spirit of the living God who lives in us. 
And those divine appointments, I tell you that he leads you to them often. So just look for them and make yourself available. You know, I was recently, uh, I was in uh, Long Island out witnessing on a Friday night, walking through the park. We love Walmart, my favorite place to go witnessing. <laughs> Spend a lot of time at Walmart. It's where I always shop because it's easy, and that's where I always go witnessing because there's lots of people, amen? But I was walking through Walmart parking lot, and I felt, felt that nudge of the still small voice to witness to this guy. A guy was pushing a cart across, and I quickly walked faster to get in front of him, walked up, handed him a track. Did you get one of these? I always carry tracks in my pocket. Did you get one of these? He looked at it. He goes, I, I can't believe you're giving this to me. He said, you're the third person today who's been witnessing to me, who's given me, told me about Jesus. And right there, nothing better than you ever do than tell someone about the living God and what he's done in your own life. Right there, I got to share with this man what God's done in my life and challenged him that today is the day of salvation. Amen. Prayed with him right there. I tell you, there's nothing better that you can do than serve God. Amen. You know, and it says in, the, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, In times past, God spoke through the prophets. Now he's speaking through his son, Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Amen. He's speaking to you. He wants to do great things in and through you. You just listen and obey. But here we see the choice. He gave him the choice of you can eat of every tree except for one. You know, the reason God did that is because he wanted us to choose to love him. Amen. It was, well, you can, God can make us do whatever he wants. I mean, he could, he's God. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. He can force us to do whatever he wants, but he doesn't want robots. He wants us to choose to love him. Amen. 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 And it's that choice that he gave us. It's a choice to love God. And we know Adam and Eve fell. We know they chose wrong. You know, we have an enemy, the, the devil. He's a liar. He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He works through fear and lies. And he lied to Eve. Did God really say? Tempted her with the, you can be like God. But I wonder if we look back and we know they fell. We know they, cho- they chose wrong. And I wonder if they knew that their sin was going to affect every person that had ever lived. I wonder if they understood the great consequences that were going to come because of their choice. I mean, today, because of their choice to sin, we are all born sinners. We're stuck in this flesh. And it's a battle. It's a daily battle. And sadly, we're all going to die. This flesh will die. You know, they, God said, you will surely die. And they, di- they didn't die immediately physically. Slowly by slowly, death came to all. But they died spiritually immediately. But we see they were, because of them, were born into sin. Because of Adam and Eve's choice, we, can, we choose sin. Even today, and we struggle with loving sin, if we're honest. But because of Jesus... We, can, we were born into sin, but we can be born again. Amen? Right, right. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and all things are new. Right, right. We can be born again. We can choose daily to serve Jesus and deny ourselves. The choice really is about loving God. Amen. Amen. You know, we're about to celebrate the 4th of July. You know, freedom. This country received its independence from England. Amen? And we, we were free. 
And I wonder if you walked out on the streets, if you asked people, are they free, how many people would actually say that they're free? And I want to clarify, I'd be very clear that I thank God for every soldier that fought and died to earn us this freedom, amen? And in many ways, we are free in this country. And I served in the United States Marine Corps. And I thank God for everyone who's serving right now across the world to, to fight for our freedom. The firemen and police who serve this country to keep us free and safe. Like I said, in many ways we are free. But are we spiritually? People are not free. People are trapped in sin. Paul said to the to the Romans, in Romans 6, 16, he said, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? Romans 6, 16. You know, because of Adam and Eve's choice to sin, people are not born free, they're born sinners. And they must choose to be free. And it says, who the sun sets free is really free. Amen. And we're freedom is available to us. But freedom doesn't come through having a lot of money or having things of this world. I discovered the more stuff I had, the less free I was. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A time in my life, I look back that I was me and my wife were making a good salary, and we had a nice house and cars and a boat and a pool and all this stuff. That was the time I was in most bondage. But when I had nothing but an RV traveling the country, uh-huh. just telling people about Jesus, I was free. And God wants to set us free. He wants us to walk in that freedom. He wants us to live free and share that freedom with others. And that freedom can only come from Jesus Christ. It's because of Adam's sin, we are all born sinners. And really, as Paul explained, we're either going to be a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. And, you know, it's all, we, all, we all wrestle with this. And it's a daily walk. You know, I remember the day I gave my life to Christ, April 20th, 2004. And I, I remember walking in that office just so burdened and carrying the weight of sin and guilt and shame. And I can remember confessing my sins and laying my sins at the cross and walking out there. I was free. Amen. I feel like the guy in Acts chapter 3 who was, you know, at the gate begging for alms, thinking what he needed was money. And Peter and uh, John said, what, we don't have money, gold or silver, but what we have, we're going to give you. They gave him Jesus. And I saw them. They lifted that man. I can picture that guy who was trapped in his, in his, uh, his disease or whatever would cause him to be lame. And now he's free. I can, you know, I can see him jumping around, praising God, just praising God and just free. That's what I felt like when I walked out of my pastor's office. I was free. But, you know, the next morning, guess who showed up? The devil. Uh-huh. He ain't going to stop. Yeah, yeah. One day we're going to be free. One day he's gonna, it's going to be over. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to see Jesus face to face. But until that day, we have this battle going on, this spiritual battle, this battle between our sin and Christ. Uh-huh. And I realized that it was a daily battle, a daily walk. Uh-huh. And I made a decision I understood that it was a daily choice, daily to walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I decided that day that I was going to make it my daily commitment that every morning I'm going to surrender my life to God. And I read this little book called Practicing the Presence of God that I realized that wherever I went, I didn't, you know, I didn't have to come to church to pray. I didn't have to, you know, I, you could, everywhere God was with you. 
Anywhere you can be a witness, anywhere you can serve him, he's with us wherever we go. And then I was going to walk with Jesus all day long. And when difficult things come, I try to pray, God, give me strength. When good things come, I thank, thank you, Lord, because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights who never changes. If there's anything good in your life today, it's because God has given it to you. And thank him for it. I know that he's given you what he's given you to use for his glory. But at the end of the day, I, no matter what came, good or bad, pray. I decided to pray because I know that, you know, it's those hardest things sometimes that God is at working the most. He uses difficult things to grow us and stretch us and change us and challenge us. But no matter what came, I prayed. It was my daily walk in the Spirit. You know, I, Paul says to the Romans, he basically says, what, whatever you, Romans 6, he's basically telling us, whatever you feed will grow. You know, if you're feeding your flesh, your flesh will grow strong, your spirit will grow weak. If you're feeding your spirit, your spirit will grow strong, and your flesh will grow weak. It's kind of like the story of the two, two dogs. You got the white dog and the black dog. You tie them both up. You, you feed the black dog, you love the black dog, you take care of the black dog, and the black dog will grow, grow strong. If you neglect and don't feed the white dog, it's going to die. Vice versa is true. You feed the white dog, love the white dog, it's going to grow strong, and you refuse to feed the black dog, it'll die. Whichever you feed will grow. That's a spiritual principle that's true right now. But it's a choice. And that's a challenge to myself. Because it's easy to feed the flesh easy. It's, you don't have to do nothing. Just drive down the road. The devil's got all kinds of things trying to, trying to draw you away from God. But we're called to feed our spirit. And that comes through spending time in prayer, speaking to God, through time in the word, talking to God, and him talking to us, through worshiping God. That's why we were created to worship the living God. Fellowship with other believers. You know, fellowship happens wherever two or more are gathered, right? Really, fellowship, church is all about one believer telling another believer where to find bread. You know, one beggar to tell another beggar. When some one of us is weak and down, we, we lift them up. When you're weak, they lift you up. We're encouraging each other to keep going, to keep following Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus told us the victorious Christian life turned to Acts, I mean, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And Jesus gives us the answer to the victory John chapter 15, verse 5, I mean, verse 4. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And Jesus makes it very clear. Without him in the spiritual world, we can do nothing. When Jesus says nothing, it means Nothing. Now, you can spend a lot of time and effort and money using your own worldly uh, abilities to build your own kingdom. But if you want to build on the Christ's kingdom, on God's kingdom, it takes this. A close walk with Jesus. And, you know, it, it blows me away. 
The God who knows everything I've ever done, he knows everything I ever think, he knows everything about me, he still loves me and wants to have a relationship with me, blows me away. The God who has such power that spoke and the stars were formed, loves me and wants to walk with me. You know, he's so big, we see the, the, you look at night, you see the stars, that's how big God is. But then you know he's so intimate that he wants to have a close relationship with every one of us. He knows every hair that are on our head. That's how intimate and loving this God is that we serve. He wants to abide with us. That means a close relationship with a living God. And Jesus is calling us. He's saying, come. He's inviting us to abide in him. He's challenging us. He's telling us this is the answer to life. It's a close walk with Jesus. I wasted so many years trying to... You know, something was missing in my life, trying to find it in money and alcohol and drugs and all these things, and I was left empty. And my parents, when I was a little boy, told me the truth. And I wasted all these years following after a lie. And the day I received Jesus, I finally found what I was looking for. And it's what we all need. God wants to abide. He wants us to walk with him. He's calling you to come and to follow him. He says, if you abide in him, he says, you'll bear much fruit. And he used the example of a vine and a branch. You know, you take a tree and cut off a branch and throw it on the ground. It's going to dry up and wither. It'll die. It's work good for nothing. If you stay connected, it's going to bear fruit. You think about this, a more uh, current example. I mean, the cell phone. It can be used for many things. But if I don't ever plug it in, it's going to die and might as well be good for nothing. Maybe a paperweight or something. But if you've got to stay plugged into the power source, when you plug it into the power source, it's charges and it's, it's useful for what its purpose was. Well, you were created to serve and to have a relationship with the living God and to worship him. Uh-huh. If you play p- plugged into Jesus Christ, you will have power to do what he's calling you to do and you will bear much fruit. Amen. Amen. I tell you, that's not only where you, why you were created, but it's the glorious life. You know, Jesus promises that the hope we have in heaven is eternal life. But Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we have an enemy that's working hard to stop you. Peter said he's like a roaring lion prowling around looking for him to devour. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. The life that you were created to have is to walk with Jesus and be used by Jesus. And that's a true joy. But I tell you, it's not easy. But if you walk with Jesus, spend time with Jesus, stay time in the word, pray, worship, fellowship with other believers, and share your faith, you will grow. He will shine. Let, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But see, that's not something to shine. It's not something you can buy. It's not something you can create. It's not something you can fake. Something that only comes as you spend time in the light. And God is light. Think about Moses. When Moses went up on the mountain, he was on Mount Sinai with God, and he, when he came down, he glowed. Uh-huh. But then as he was away from God, he began to fade, and they covered him with a veil because he was fading. But I think it's opposite for us. If you spend time with Jesus, you can shine. You spend more time with Jesus, you shine brighter and brighter and brighter as you walk with Jesus moment by moment every day. Uh-huh. And people will see Jesus in your life Without even saying a word, they'll be drawn to him because of how you live, because God shining through you. Right, right. 
And that's what happened to my life. One of the things God used also in my life, I can remember every day going off, living a life of sin, a secret life, a life of chaos, walking out the door. I never forget my wife sitting on our couch, worship music playing, the Bible open. I had chaos. She had peace because she was abiding in Christ, and I wanted what she had. You know, the same worked in her life. She was 18, living a party life. She worked at a restaurant with a girl named Dina. Dina came to work every day, and she shined. She had peace and joy and love, and it was just something about Dina. My wife remembers thinking, I don't know what Dina has, but whatever Dina has, I want. Uh -huh. My wife sought a friendship with Dina, and Dina invited my wife over to her house. Told her what was different about her. It was Jesus. Uh -huh. She had a relationship with the living God. In the same way, today, you can shine. God can shine in and through you, and he can use you. Without a word, people will see Christ in your life. It only comes as you walk with Jesus. Amen. And with your words, share Jesus. Amen. Let's bring this to a close. Turn to Matt, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Here at the beginning of John, we have two Johns. We have the Apostle John, who is the writer, and we have John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he had a very specific call. He came to prepare the way of Jesus' first coming. His message was very simple. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And now Jesus comes on the scene, and we see in John 1, 32, and John bore witness. Amen. John bore witness of who Jesus was what Jesus was there for, what Jesus had done, and what he'd experienced. And that's what God all calls us to do, to bear witness, to be a witness. But again, he's given you his spirit to do the job he's called you to do. And it's just to share with others the great things that God has done in and through your life. John bore witness. In verse 35, again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. You know, John there bearing witness of who Jesus was. He's, he's basically saying, this is the Messiah, the long-awaited, anointed one, the Savior of the world. He's bearing witness to who Jesus is. And what happened? Then two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And that's exactly what we want people to do, that we bear witness to who Jesus is, what he's done, and the promises that we have, that we have for the future. And God will use you to see other people follow Jesus. These two people, two disciples followed Jesus, and these were the beginning, the first disciples who chose to follow Jesus. And Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? And that's a very challenging question. Something we need to do daily, each of us. Not something that you need to do with before your mom or dad or your husband or wife or your anyone else. This is between you and God, and that's to examine your own heart. Examine your own life. Are you living a life of faith in Christ. What are you seeking today? What do you seek? What is important to you? What are you spending your time doing? What are you spending your efforts and your money on? And these, they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated teacher, where are you staying? Basically, they wanted to know him and they wanted to spend time with him. And these guys, they left everything and followed Jesus. In verse 39, he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. 
And this is the, the verses that we came up with our ministry name, the 10th Hour Project. It's our desire that young adults would, would, would seek God, not the world. And that they would come away for 10 months and come and see the great things that God wants to do in and through their lives. They'll just choose him. But this morning, Jesus is calling to us, for every one of us, individually, to come and see, come and experience the great things God wants to do in and through each of his children. If they'll just follow him. Come and see. And I don't know where each of, we are, each of us are are at in our personal walk. I don't know each of you. I wish I had more time to get to know you. Some of you I know. Some of you I don't. But I know one thing. Two people know the truth about us. And you can't lie. You can lie to the world. You can lie to all kinds of people around you. But you cannot lie to yourself. And you cannot lie to God. Amen. 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 And I want to encourage you. If you're serving the living God today, don't stop. God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask, think, or even imagine. He wants to take you deeper and higher. He wants to take you in a closer relationship with him, experience him in a closer and a greater way. So if you're serving God today, I, I just want to encourage you. We barely even, I, I don't think I've even scratched the sur surface of the relationship God wants to have with me, nor his grace. But I also want to challenge you, if you're here this morning and you're not serving God, you're living for yourself. I want to challenge you to come and see the great things that God has done. To choose to serve Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Fall in the world is not the place of peace. Following Jesus is where we find rest, peace, and love. We find what we were created for. We experience the true life is all about the abundant life that God promises us to come and see, to come and follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your love, for your grace. Thank you, God, that you desire to use each of us. But God, you have given us a choice. And I pray today that everyone in this room would hear your voice, would hear your call, cast off all sin, cast off all things of this world, cast off everything that hinders them from following you and would come and experience a, a walk with a living God. So, Lord, we give you praise. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for this church. God, I pray that you'd raise up workers. You said you called us to pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers for the harvest. For the harvest is great and the workers are few. So I pray, Lord, that you would raise up workers in this fellowship. That, God, that you would lead them, guide them, use them. God, do great things in and through them, all for your glory. Yes. It's in Jesus' name we pray.